It's called Nars Chestnut. The cover stick I'm wearing to hide my dark circles. <laughs> Blended ever so carefully with the Nars Almond. Because when I'm sleepless in Manhattan, and I have been, one of the things that pops up for some reason in my feed is how older women should wear their makeup. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Use two shades. Yeah, I, I have not been sleeping. Yeah, no sparkles and no powder. Dries you out. Okay, uh, more on that later, Jocelyn. Um, I have been so tired. I just haven't been able to sleep. And I think a few of you have said that it's true for you too. Like you're not quite sure exactly what it is, and maybe it's a few things. Maybe it's um, for me. I was in Chicago this week doing a talk, and my dad came, brought someone who wasn't my mom, because of course my mom has passed away and can't be there anymore. But that was an interesting new thing. Happy for you, Dad, but whoa, different, you know. Her name is Mabel. She's lovely. Um, Anyway, my dad came to see me, and my mom, of course, could not, and I'm missing her, right? Um, I'm troubled that the storm's raging, praying for all the people who got their butts kicked by Michael. All of this is about climate change, and we're in deep trouble, friends. The, according to the UN report that just came out, it's 2040 is the critical year. If we don't dial it back by then, we're, it's done. It'll be a whole new ball game. So that has me sad has me worried. Of course, the children are still separated from their parents, and uh, the politics on the national stage feels to me like a poorly written reality television show. I've uh, got a lot of beautiful relationships with uh, faith leaders across the country. Some of us are Sikh, meaning Sikh, Sikh, Buddhist, Muslim, um, different flavors of Christian. And we've been writing to each other this week since the Kavanaugh thing. How, how are we doing? Where, where, where's our heart broken? Do we feel like we lost? We've been batting around whether we have hope or not. You know, where's our hope? Um, and what I, what I know to be true is when I'm having that feeling, I write my way out of it. So it's two o'clock in the morning and I can't cope, or it's five o'clock in the morning and I wake up writing. I kind of pray my prayers with my fingers. Does anybody else write or journal? Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm not sleeping, but I'm writing. Some of it's good. Some of it's horrible. But what about you, middle family? How are you doing? Like, how is your stuff right now? And what are you doing with it? I, I listen to you. I, we read your prayers. We kind of have a sense of some of the things that are happening. And I think Mama Ruby would say, where does it hurt? I think some of us are lonely. We've been praying for a partner so long. We're like, God, you know, what's up with that? Um, some of us are struggling at work, struggling to keep up, struggling to get it all done. Most organizations have less people because they have less money, but the work is still the same, amen? So we're all over-functioning. 
Some of us don't know how we're going to make ends meet. Some of us work two jobs and still can't quite make it happen. Some of us are worried about our children, their safety as they go off in the world. Girls on college campuses, boys in the city streets. Many of us, more than I have ever experienced in congregational life, have lost parents in these last two years. It's like amazing how many of us have lost parents or spouses or partners. And those deaths, as the second year rolls around, you're like, wow, oh, this is the second time that they're not going to be here at Christmas. And it feels more and more permanent, right? And it just breaks your heart. What's your stuff, middle family? Did I touch on yours? Is there something else? It feels like there's a generalized sadness in the universe because of all of the things that are happening in the atmosphere, in the national stage, in the world of electoral politics and shenanigans. And that stuff affects us. Do you, like some of my colleagues, feel hopeless from time to time? Do you find yourself wondering if God is hearing your prayers? Do you ask yourself if you're doing the right things to get your prayers Answer, that's a question I have. Do you wonder if God is listening? The psalmist had some stuff. Listening to John read the scripture so beautifully, it's almost like listening in on the psalmist's prayer journal. Their, their, their journal. Where they kind of are like fussing at God. Which, by the way, she can take it. Why have you forsaken me? I cry out all the time, don't you hear my prayers? Don't you hear my lament? Our ancestors trusted you and you delivered them, but me, I feel like a worm, scorned, despised, mocked, trouble everywhere, and you seem so far away. In that time of trouble, in that moment of despair, the psalmist feels the absence of God so keenly. God who had been so close, the poetry says, it's like God was there when the psalmist was born and scooped him right out of his mother's womb and laid him on his mother's breast. That's how close, that's how close God seemed. But now, God feels different. The Holy One feels far away, like, just no place to be seen. Wild bulls circling him feels like he's about to be devoured by life circumstances. This psalmist is exhausted. She's tired. She's depleted. She's depressed. She's dehydrated. Because like, her mouth is like, a, like some cracked pottery. And she feels as though her heart has melted down like wax inside her bosom. Reading this psalm made me think, man, have I, have I ever felt this way? Uh, before I get to my crazy story, Jesus felt this way. This is the psalm that the Gospel of Matthew says Jesus is saying when he's being tortured on the cross at Golgotha. Now, it must have been pretty deep down in there because it's not like Jesus had time to look up some scripture and read it right in there. But praying, praying, honestly, my God, 
My God, where are you? An anguished cry from a child of God. I need you, and you have forsaken me. Have you, any of you ever felt forsaken by God? I have. I most certainly have. As a little girl child, a little person, nine years old, mistreated by a man that I was supposed to trust, a man I love, feeling ashamed and frightened and hurt and lost. And I, I didn't have words like forsaken at nine, but I definitely was wondering where is this God that I was given by my parents? This God that my mom said would always love me and never leave me, where are you right now? This isn't feeling so good. I had a car accident that almost killed me when I was about 22. And I'm sorry, I thought God had broken all the rules. I had done all the good things, been a good girl, you know, saved it till you get married, praying all the time, all the good stuff. I had kept my contract, and God, I thought, broke his. Wasn't goodness supposed to beget goodness? Weren't you supposed to show up, God, and protect me? All my stuff burned up one time on a moving van. Everything I owned burned up. I was super done with God right then. I was like, I think I might have to break up with you for a while. You are not behaving very well, Mr. God. But I loved God, you know, and didn't want to let God go. But then I thought, well, I have to let that God go. I got to let the teeny God go. I got to get the you do this and I'll do that God off my eyeballs, to quote. Seely, that's not working. So I started thinking, well, what is it? I better change my understanding of God. I better let my understanding of God grow up some. And I was beginning to understand that the presence of God is not synonymous with the absence of suffering. The presence of God is not synonymous with the absence of suffering. And evidence of God's presence isn't predicated on happily ever after. If that were true, we would just have to all give up our faith, wouldn't we? Because that ain't how it goes. The psalmist knows that God is present in the midst of suffering because in Psalm 46, the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. She doesn't say, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help that makes trouble never happen. A very present help in trouble. That's where God is. God is help in trouble. There's trouble and God is there. So the psalmist goes on to say, therefore we don't have to fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake, though its waters roar and foam, God's there, right there. She's saying God's preventing the trouble. She's saying God is there in the struggle, in the hurt, in the pain, with us in the pain. God is there comforting us, resourcing us, reminding us that we have the stuff we need to get through the stuff we're given. You with me? Now, when I was a little person getting the God from my parents, and they were like, God will never tell, give you any more than you can bear. I did not like that. 
God will never give you anything more than you can bear sounded like God was looking around to see who was the strongest badasses and then give them the most hell. That doesn't make any sense. I don't want to be that girl with the badass that you want to give the praying, right? No. What that scripture means and what my mom and dad meant is God's going to be there bearing it with us. And I know some of us use different names for God, and I'm good with it. You know that? I'm good with that. So call it love, the universe, the holy, the energy, the goodness in the world is going to be with us in the midst of the hailstorm. That is just a part of the human condition, resourcing us, comforting us, reminding us that we got the stuff. I always want to hear Whitney right there. You know, I got the stuff that you want. I don't know, it just keeps coming to my brain. But we got the stuff, we got the stuff that we need. Now look, Jesus didn't have it all together about this presence of God thing. That's why he was praying this prayer, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But at the same time, almost in the next breath, he prays, into your hands though, I give you my life. I give you my breath. I give you my CK, my soul, my, my everything. You feel far away, but I'm gonna give you my stuff. I'm gonna try to trust you. And I think what we need to take from that, you know, even when dying, Jesus is talking to the presence. Jesus is talking to the presence of the presence, even while dying. He felt God was absent. He felt God had turned his back. I felt God was absent. I felt God had turned God's back on me. But actually, what it was is I changed. God doesn't change. The holy doesn't change. The love doesn't change. But I changed. I couldn't see it. I couldn't feel it. I was overwhelmed. I was sad. I was grieving. I couldn't notice it. I, I turned away and didn't see it. And when I turned right back again, there, there is the presence. I've come to understand as I've let my little girl God grow up some, God is always there. The presence is always present. My job, my job on this journey of faith is to fine-tune my ability to see the presence, to see what it looks like. Oh, I'm having a really hard day, and I get to go to Harlem and sit on Gabby and Joel's floor and toss Fee up in the air. Presence of presence. Little life making me feel like life is possible. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are out to dinner with friends, and you are laughing, laughing, laughing. The presence is present because you're sustained in that moment of joy. Your lover holds you so close and so tight that you feel the body of their body supporting yours and the presence is there. Our job in a life of faith is to train ourselves to listen for the presence of the present. Maybe the presence is shouting, I got you. Maybe the presence is the roar of the ocean or the sound of the wind while you're on a walk or a whisper, I'm still here. Our job is to train ourselves to see it. Prayer helps. Meditation helps. 
Yoga helps. Sometimes a nice dance will help. Prayer helps us recognize the presence of the presence. Not for God, because God's okay if we don't notice God. <laughs> she ain't going to have an attitude if we don't notice her, really. But for ourselves, for our own lives to sustain us in these very crazy times, it's a good spiritual practice to practice looking for, seeing, noticing the presence. And I don't care, again, how you name it. I just want us to claim it, claim the presence, claim the power, the relationships that we have in which God is showing up and reminding us, I got you. So I did not sleep last night, two and a half hour nap. Five o'clock this morning is when I went to sleep. Holy cow, Batman. <laughs> and I come here, and this is the second time I get to do this, right? Hear the music. Look at your beauty. You remind me of the presence of the presence. We get to remind each other in these pews, out in the world, of the presence of the presence, that love is love is love is love is wrapped all around us and has got us. And a love that will not let us go. That's amazing to me. So I look at you and I go, thank you for the reminder. Maybe I'll sleep tonight. And I want us to make a spiritual discipline of looking around to see the love at work. I read a memoir of this woman, um, Lindsay O'Connor. Uh, it's called The Long, the Long Wake Up, I think. I'm, I'm, the Long Awakening. I'm not great with titles. Anyway, she was pregnant. She had a baby. She almost died in childbirth. Um, was in a coma for 107 days. And when she woke up, this is what she writes. Quote, I sensed it was finally safe to ask the question without seeming like an ingrate. God, where are you? Where were you? For 107 days, where were you? Were you in my unconsciousness? Were you in the hospital room? I wanted to feel your presence with fireworks and explosions of emotions and supernatural palpability. Where were you? And she said she heard God say, I was there. I was there in the peace. I was there in the comfort. I was there in the breath. Take a breath. We did a sacrament today, baptism, a sign and seal of God's presence in the world. We eat the cup, drink the cup, eat the bread. It's a sign and seal of God's presence in the world. Every breath. Take another one. Every breath is a sacrament, a sign and seal of God's presence in the world. Our job is to train ourselves to recognize the presence of the presence. You are a reminder of the presence of the presence. God is here. Amen. <laughs>